What's good, y'all? It's your boy Desmond, and this your boy Michael, and this is Channel Noir, the podcast for your listening pleasure. Yes, yes. We are back again for episode six, man. Six. Ep- episode six. Thanks for rocking with us all the way here. Yeah. Again, we are two African American men here at Kansas State University, here to talk about culture, pop culture, things going on campus, things going on in the world, anything we feel. Yeah, man. Mike, what's going on, man? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. Um, honestly, y'all, I'm doing a lot better. Like today, um, and a lot of other days. Like I said, like me being a morning person, so I love waking up in the morning and kind of like, you know, open up your windows and seeing the sun kind of come into your room, get your day started. Um, but weeks before, it's been kind of hard getting up in the morning, just having a lot of negative thoughts. But today's been real good. Like I was able to get up, yeah. um, talk to some of my friends and family in the morning while I'm getting ready. And started my day and started class presentations and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's dead week and I'm feeling a little light. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. feeling so heavy. So, that's good. How you feeling, Des? And I'm tired, honestly. Uh, there's a lot going a on. Yeah, last week was long. This week is going to be long. A lot of projects due. I'm trying to get on out of here and graduate, man. But, yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm just new. tired, but... Too blessed to be stressed still, you know hey what I mean? Man. Still about to be out of here. Hello. Moving on to bigger and better. So I'm good. I'm still good. Okay, so let's talk about last week. Mm-hmm. We're going to start with Endgame. Oh, man. And so a lot of the reasons, like, so last week we didn't record because it was just a crazy busy week. There's a lot going on. And then you also had a lot of stuff happening so then you had the game of throne episode then you had uh in game happening and just a lot of stuff happening um at k-state in general yeah and so uh i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you lead that conversation Dan. man uh so first and foremost first and foremost spoiler alert spoiler it's been two weeks. alert so today uh monday <laughs> may the 6th telling y'all right now what day it is the russo brothers have lifted the spoiler ban <laughs> yeah uh, the Russo brothers said by today, this Monday, spoilers are okay. So, but one more time, spoiler warning for anybody um, who doesn't want to hear any in-game spoilers. So, in-game, you see, you see in-game. I've seen it. I've seen it. So, I'm good. So, this is probably, if not the most, definitely the top three best superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. First of all, again, it is the culmination. Of everything that the MCU ever dreamed of, from Iron Man back in 2008 to now Endgame here in 2019, it is definitely something, an experience that I don't think we'll ever get again, and an experience that a lot of people have missed, honestly, in their lifetimes. So what'd you think about the movie, Mike? I thought the, okay, so also my perspective is not super deep, 
I'm I don't really look too deep into the the Marvel universe, so I haven't seen all the comics. I haven't seen all the things leading up to it. So as like a regular person who just enjoy movies, um, I thought it was good. I mean, I thought it was super long. Yeah, obviously. Um, I'm not even on front. I definitely fell asleep three times. Wow. Once a, every hour at the once an hour, I definitely went to sleep a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I woke up, but no, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really emotional. I was talking to one of my friends about like Thor yeah. and like how he was represented uh, in that movie. And a lot mm-hmm. of times we didn't like. Well, we talked about like how we didn't appreciate like how Thor kind of felt like the butt of all the jokes when he was like actually yeah. grieving mm-hmm. and like depressed and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of the characters in in the movie kind of put Thor at the back of the uh, at the butt of the joke instead of trying to like not trying to figure out what's wrong with him, but yeah. like being a little bit more, I guess, understanding. But maybe all the characters was like, "Hey, we all lost somebody. Suck yeah. it up. Let's yeah, 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 let's get it together." And I I like how the way Thor was grieving is so realistic. Mm-hmm, very and much. especially I like how they took one of the most powerful people in this universe. And gave him and broke him down and broke him down, and that's that was one of my favorite things about Thor's character in this entire movie is that we've seen somebody so powerful become so you know what I mean emotional and vulnerable, and you know what I mean we were like man we ain't never seen Thor cry and we seen Thor cry you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like there was a lot, and I think that's I think that's also kind of cool too like I think it's important to like I think Marvel kind of hit on a lot of different yeah like one of my friends said. Um, the writing felt rushed because there's a lot of stuff mm. that maybe um, could have been like you know tapped into a lot more. But I, I liked like a lot of subliminal me- subliminal messages yeah. um, in it, like the whole Thor thing. And I think that resonated with me, which is why I kept bringing it up because it's like a lot of times you can seem so powerful and so big, like physically and outside. But like the fact that it reminds us that we're still humans and that we still mm-hmm. grieve and that like we're still vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that has nothing to do with physical bruteness. Yeah. And for it to be Thor, I think I think that was the perfect mm-hmm. uh example. Yeah, for sure. I also like the way how I guess not necessarily redemption, but how how much of the weight Thor had on his shoulders mm. and how I don't know, I guess you can say they kind of resolved it. But I honestly think the writing kind of wasn't it had to be rushed i guess is what i'm trying to say just because no one's gonna sit through a four-hour movie and i know the russo brothers probably were like dang it'd be cool if we can make this movie four and a half hours but just like you said you fell asleep <laughs> three times in the three hours so <laughs> i really can't you know what i mean i really can't say 100 percent the writing was rushed for that exact reason you can only make so many movies <laughs> and you can only make them so long before people's attention span goes somewhere else but also like the memes has been incredible. Yeah, it was like, so funny. <laughs> has been incredible. So like even though like I'm not in I don't know too much about like the Marvel lore. Yeah. Like I don't know. It just feels good to be able to participate in Yeah, man. So the the third act of this movie. Oh man, I think so I've seen Endgame three times already mm-hmm. and I'm probably going fourth tomorrow and most of the time, I'm going for the third act because as a superhero nerd who had an Avengers backpack in middle school, this is before the movie even came out. Mm-hmm. Avengers hadn't even came out. It was the nerdgasms that happened in that last hour were something that I don't think a lot of people could understand. Right? So, like, again, we're spoiler. Yeah. We're, we're going spoiler we're, we're crazy spoiler. here. Yeah. So, 
seeing Iron Man 1, I was in the premiere, Iron Man 1, Thursday, May 1st, I think, mm-hmm. 2008, I was in, I was in the Iron Man 1 premiere, and to hear this man finish the movie with, I am Iron Man, and then to hear him end his life as I am Iron Man, 11 years later, was something I know a lot of people didn't feel, that, right. you know what I mean? Like, you had to have been there the whole way through the felt to feel some of the things that I felt through this movie, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just paid off to be a nerd, man. This For real. Like, I've, like, seeing my friends shed red tears to this, like, I was like, oh, cool, like, Iron Man dies. Okay. Cool. I mean, not cool, but, like, he's dead. And seeing people, like, shed real tears and, like, be able to, like, explain the way um, yeah. they feel this way. Also, like, another thing I didn't understand like when everybody keep talking about when Captain America grabbed Thor's hammer. Like, oh yeah. Why is this such a big deal for us none nerds out there? So um and Age of Ultron, right? Mm-hmm. Uh the Avengers Age of Ultron. Um Thor's hammer was sitting on uh I forgot what it was, a table, a pedestal or something. And Thor's like, "Man, nobody can pick up my hammer." And then Captain America like goes to like hand Thor his hammer like after a pep talk mm-hmm. and it like budges a little bit, kind of but then Thor's like, nah, I can't be possible. That can't be possible. And so when Thor got the hammer, right, mm-hmm. um, what happens in Thor 1 is Odin, his father, enchants the hammer. And he says, whoever wields this hammer, he who is worthy will also get the power of Thor. And so the reason, so from Age of Ultron, Thor was like, I kind of feel like this dude is worthy. And it was just so lit because, I don't know, you full. it's like the smallest thing came full circle. Mm-hmm. Like, you see Captain America budge the hammer, and then he gets the hammer. And, and the, he fights and, with and it. He, and he's good, you know what I mean? Like, he's cold with this hammer. He already knows what to do with it. But I guess him and Thor have been friends for, you know, long enough for him to know at least a little bit what's going on. But also what I love about that scene is uh, Thor loved that Captain America was able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like in another movie or in another sense – Captain America or Thor would have been like jealous you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like oh he can wield my hammer I don't like this but instead he was like super happy for him like I knew he was worthy the whole time like he was excited you know what I mean and I think that's really dope uh, thing to see I don't know but also I mean I think that's also important like character development too that's Mm -hmm. pretty 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 cool and like I also feel like you know the grief and the stuff that he's been going through kind of helped kind of helped like shape his character into like where he is today to mm-hmm. be able to like accept that mm-hmm. and learn and grow from that mm-hmm. and I think that's also important I don't know I, I'm like taking these little small like things that seem big to me but no yeah I mean this movie is meant to be talked about the Russo brothers said it themselves and I do believe everything they do is intentional you know what I mean um, especially oh so my favorite intentional scene out of the entire movie actually was the woman scene in the last act where mm-hmm. where um they get the infinity gauntlet from Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Captain Marvel picks it up and they're like how are we going to get it over there and she's like don't worry we have help and all the women in the Avengers oh, show up on the yes. screen and it is uh another nerdgasm happens instantly because actually before the movie this was crazy i was like man i really hope 
that they put all the black women on screen at the same time, right? I was like, Shuri could be on the screen. Yes. Okoye can be on the screen. Yes. Gamora be yes. on the screen. You know what I mean? And then we get all the women. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is, and yeah, it was just so great. So good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I definitely enjoyed it. It was, I definitely, as a non-Marvel Universe person, I just, I definitely think, us none Marvel Universe people can enjoy this movie. Oh yeah. Even though we won't enjoy it obviously to the same capacity. Yeah. I think we can it's a, I feel like it's a lot of little lot of things that we can just take away from this movie. Yeah, for sure. So uh even if you don't care care about spoilers and you listen to this, go see Endgame. For sure. It really is revolutionary. Oh, by the way, hit 2.1 Bill Club in 2 weeks. Which is actually unheard of. Um, it's really close to passing Avatar for the highest grossing movie of all time. Avatar took about 38 days to do that, and Endgame mm-hmm. has done it in close to like 16 days or something like that. So, just insane. And that's wild. Okay, so like to segue into Game of Thrones, let's talk about last weekend. So, yeah. The largest battle scene yeah. in history. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you take that. <laughs> I mean, I watched it. I for sure watched, you did watch it. watched it. I did watch it. I'm oh. on season three. But, like, okay, so th- I've been doing this thing with Game of Thrones where my, all my friends watch Game of Thrones. So, like, I'm on season three, and I'm trying to, like, watch it from the beginning. But I don't know. Everybody was talking about this last episode, so I watched it with some of my friends. And it's kind of, to me, it's kind of cool to kind of see, like, to match up mm-hmm. where I left off and, like, what's happening now and, mm-hmm. like, who's still alive mm-hmm. and, like, if my favorite characters or whatever still alive or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. And so like I left off um on season three. She just got her dragons alive and Daenerys is trying to take over like she's getting her army and getting everything prepared to, to go to war. Mm-hmm. And so to see her like to have the throne, yeah. It's kinda like I don't know. It's it's really cool to see in a way. Let's just let's get to the last last week episode. All right. Episode three again, Battle of Winterfell. Uh, the biggest episode budget of any TV show ever. Um, again, uh, the battle was longer than the Helm's Deep um, part of Lord of the Rings. And for me, honestly, it was actually a little disappointing. It was a great episode. It really was. It was an amazing episode, mm-hmm. but I expected slightly more fighting. Because like the first 30 minutes, it's just like, yeah, I actually enjoyed the first 30 minutes. A lot of people don't like how dark, dark it was. It was. Shot. Yeah, it was and hard to see. I understand why they did it, though. Uh, one, for budget purposes, and two, for realism purposes. I know a lot of times when it comes to the directors of Game of Thrones, they really like realism in the things that they do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even though it is a fantasy, you know what I mean? Dragons aren't real, but they still want to make that seem as realistic like as possible mm-hmm. in this world, right? And so I think they were trying to say that in this sense... When winter is coming, you can't see that far. You know what I mean? Like, it's actually going to be dark like that in real life. Like, try driving at nighttime in the snow. Like, it's really what it looks like. You really can't see anything over there. So, I understand why they filmed it like that. And then they start, like, right when they're about to get the fight. Like, they, you couldn't see nobody until you got up to them. Yep. And it was time to fight. Yep. The, the Dothraki got mm-hmm. slotted almost instantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> instantly. I was like, this is the saddest so what I do like about this episode I'm that sad. I haven't seen in a lot of popular TV shows or movies is how hopeless everything was. <laughs> like, even superhero yeah. movies, right? Even at the end of Infinity War, you're like, oh, shoot, where there's still superheroes. Right. Or we know there's a Black Panther and Spider-Man movie coming, so they can't kill them. But this is like, 
where is the hope? Like, <laughs> like they, I, everything was just dying. Everything was dying ruthlessly. That was just there's, throwing them like toys. Yeah, there's not an ounce of hope. Dragons <laughs> are getting messed up. <laughs> it's just like the most hopeless thing I've ever seen, and I actually really liked it because, again, I haven't watched a lot of things like that where I'm like. Most of the time, I'm like, oh, they're just going to win in the end. Right. But, you know, th- when I was watching this, I was like, y'all, they really might lose this. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, there's no, yeah, everything was going wrong. Oh, especially when Melisandre uh, came up and the fire wasn't working. Oh, yeah. And then Hunger and then, to... Yeah, and then Melisandre finally got the fire working. You're like, okay, a little hope. Mm-hmm. Then they make a bridge across the fire. <laughs> and then they just start laying down. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? They said, you're not going to stop us. It's just so much. Just no hope nowhere no hope anywhere and again that's why i really like um this episode i also like it because um you get to see all the individual characters and the whole time you're like trying to figure out who's gonna die and also like i feel like everybody's favorite character didn't die like the way it seemed like it was being promoted mm-hmm. like it just seems like everybody was about to die no but, really though like i thought sam was gonna die 80 times i thought brianne was dead I thought there were just so many people. We didn't see Ghost like the whole time. We didn't know where Ghost was. Uh, just a lot going on, man. And then Arya kills the mm, MVP of Game of Thrones. I've been telling people a long time that Arya is one of the coldest. They call oh, it. Everybody calls yeah. it the baddest bitch in Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone calls Arya right now. Um, they people been making shirts and stuff too. Yeah, and the meme, bro. The memes are 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 right there. Yeah, it's actually amazing. Um, so those who don't know, Arya is um, MVP because she slaughtered the Night King, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way she did it was something else. We get to see some of her fighting skills, too, which I actually liked about this episode. Remember, she had that weapon made from Gendry. It's like she could pull it apart. Mm-hmm. It was like a spirit first. She pulls it apart. It comes two different weapons. And we even see Arya about to die, too. And it's just, ugh. She's in, she's in the crypt running away from the White Walkers. <laughs> I was like, I hope she steals a White Walker's face or something and pretends like she was a White Walker. I don't know. There's just so many chances for her to die. But then it gets really deep. Um, how, what you call it, Beric uh, was alive for her mm-hmm. to be alive. And then, yeah, there's a lot going on. I wanna, I'm want to. i trying to figure out why Bran, what was he doing? What was Bran doing the whole episode, Mike? My man, somebody said Bran was watching Avengers Endgame. Probably. <laughs> Honestly, Probably. Absolutely nothing. He was just sitting there with his eyes <laughs> doing what they do, warged into something, and everybody else is dying. <laughs> Don't care. Goodness. But, but no, Game, Game of Thrones is such a phenomenon. Um, I, I don't know. It's such a phenomenon. It's such a great show. Um, I didn't think I was going to get into it. I really did not think I was going to like it. Great show of all time, bro. People always, people always doubt you, but it really is amazing and to see you go off about like what you think the writers are thinking mm-hmm. um it's really interesting to see in such a like barbaric show yeah i guess that can lead into um what happened this past episode yesterday um yesterday sunday was episode four of game of thrones of course and so long story short we lost the queen yesterday <laughs> see i didn't even watch the episode but i that's i definitely heard about that yeah. So we lost we lost the queen yesterday. We lost Missande. Missande of North. And this was my biggest Game of Thrones crush. Natalie Emmanuel. Very, very, very beautiful lady. And 
in throughout the show, her and uh, the unsolid captain or general, whatever you want to call him, Grey Worm, mm-hmm. um, have been in a relationship kind of for the past couple seasons. And we love Grey Worm. Yeah, and we see Cersei um, execute Missandei, um at in the front of King's Landing, and I felt it coming. I did, but just. We just lost the black queen. Like, there's no, been no other black women in the show, man. We lost the one and only Missande. So how do you think Cersei's going to die? I think she's going to die by fire, and Jamie Lannister is going to do it. Because the show is really good with irony. <laughs> <laughs> so not only is the father of her children going to kill her, but the way she killed everyone in King's Landing, which is by fire, is how... She's gonna. Here's how Jamie is gonna kill her. I think this was exactly what's gonna happen, which is crazy because Jamie's baby is also inside of her right now, another baby coming. So I think he's he's gonna end up killing Cersei with fire and kill the kid inside of her along with it. Ooh. Okay. Well, we were talking <laughs> about black excellence, right? So let's before we get into more black excellence, let's talk about Taylor Taylor Swift. Oh God. <laughs> I can't even watch it, right? I I don't think. Oh, I didn't watch it. I, I refused. I'm like, I don't. You're not gonna get this view, this rating. There's nothing. So anyway, I just saw what Twitter said. Okay, and ladies, now let's gentrification. <laughs> and Taylor Swift with this pink band, Jesus, and she walks out with this pink band and all these drummers, and they all have this very soft pink on with these awful outfits <laughs> y'all tell me why two weeks after homecoming comes out on netflix two weeks y'all not two months not two years two weeks after a homecoming comes out on netflix taylor swift shows up on a stage with the most watered down <laughs> looking band <laughs> of her version of homecoming that i have ever seen it might have been the quickest bite I've ever seen. It's honestly really terrible. It's quick. It's the quickest bite I've ever seen. And it's terrible. Like It's of, awful. Of course, white people have been like biting things from black people since slavery, right? But like, you remember they took the do-rag and turned it into a head wrap or whatever it was? But like, this is ridiculous. I've never seen something on this level so quick. It's I, not, yeah. It's awful. Like, I'm looking at, so somebody put the images side by side. And I'm looking at Beyonce, Queen Bee. B. With you know her pink uh, mm-hmm. cropped hoodie on, you know with the the shorts and then the band with the berets and things like that. With that, and not only that, they didn't get this super soft pink. They got this bold, like bright pink that mm-hmm. like it, that, I don't know. It just feels powerful. Yeah, <laughs> she actually watered it down. Yeah, actually <laughs> watered act- it down. She put some mayo on it for real. Like you know when you're making a, a sandwich or yeah. a, a hamburger and then you put the mayo and then you put the ketchup in it. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and it's this real soft, <laughs> soft pink, and she comes out with this outfit that looks like a high school majorette <laughs> team. You know, they got hand-me-down major team. The one, like, your mom had to go home and hand it on the side. Yeah. That's how cheap and ridiculous it looks. Like, it's pink and silver. And it it's a, it's like a, it's a one-piece in shorts. It's pink and silver, one-piece, with the shoulder off. Mm. So she looked like an off-brand majorette. <laughs> and she's just standing there with, with literally, with her hand on the hip. With her hand on her hip. 
Like be, like just like Beyonce, <laughs> microphone in the same hand and everything. Uh, I'm just trying to understand, man. The audacity. Like, <laughs> and then what songs could even compete? Maybe that's what Swift is for. Taylor Swift to gentrify. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's her whole name. I just, Jesus. It was just, ugh. I may be white, but I'm ready. <laughs> she she was so serious too. It's really ridiculous. It still blows my mind. Two weeks, two. Here, Homecoming here. just came out, bro. There's no way you didn't bite this, and you were this bold. You didn't think we was gonna find out? I don't look. I you I don't know, know what she thought. I didn't even care to research this. Like I saw it on Twitter. I didn't even care to research to see if she said anything. <laughs> Bro, CNN is talking about this. CNN is talking about this. Uh, It was so funny. It's foul. (laughs) It's so foul. Oh, man. Oh, I didn't even know CNN had an entertainment side. Yeah, they they talk about it. It's just not as popular as the politics. But, man, not even... Like, can she at least, like... I don't know. She could have gave it two months... But two weeks is just blows my mind. Mayo Chella. <laughs> Somebody said KFC versus Popeyes. <laughs> Bro, okay, I look. lost it. Somebody said Kansas City versus St. Louis. I know who said that. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. And, you know, this, honestly, I never understood the Kansas City and St. Louis beef. Man, for me, it isn't a beef. People just be making it a beef. It's really interesting how, it's because they're really close together. Mm-hmm. And how like slightly different the cultures are. That's all it is. But then it's like a lot of times simi- similarities. People don't like that they have similarities, mm. so they find a way to distinguish themselves as much as possible. And then they t- talk about the other people and be like, "But we're different in this way." <laughs> and and it, that's very similar than like K- Casey Mo and the whole KCK thing, mm-hmm. which is weird to me. In my mind, it's one big city. Especially, <laughs> I lived on Fifth Street. I was on both sides all the time. So it was, in my mind, it's one big city. But people will constantly distinguish it just to do it. I don't know. Just to talk mess. But anyway, Taylor Swift, you're trash. Um, yeah, you need to go away. Never. Honestly, like, I've I've despised, despised Taylor Swift for su- such a while now. Yeah. Like, like, she, like, I just, she, she feels like a snake. Like, she feels yeah. like. She she her intentions isn't right, mm-hmm. right, and everything she do, and then when she be so quick, so quick to snap on people who like who uses anything of her brand, and then the whole like the whole like alt right situation when they was mm-hmm. like talking about like how she's their queen and all these like far right people, uh, white nationalists is talking about like worshiping mm-hmm. Taylor Swift and. She never responded, and then ACLU did an article about like why white nationalists is like worshiping Taylor Swift, and then Taylor Swift goes back and tries to sue the ACLU, the writer who wrote the story. It's like, and like dead ass tried to sue them. That's crazy. I'm like, bro, why are you suing us? Why are you not telling the white nationalists not to use your name? Okay, anyway. ladies, now let's appropriation. <laughs> I think this is why Kanye did what he did. I think he knew. I think he knew. It's, he knew. it's crazy because the same parties are involved. Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Kanye knew from the jump what was going on here. I just want to know. I would actually like to hear from some white people about how they feel about what Taylor Swift did. Specifically Taylor Swift fans. Mm. Like, 
are they disappointed? Like, do they do they see what just happened? Again, almost instantly. Again, I've never seen somebody bite something so fast on this level so quick. I just want to know. Like, yeah, did y'all? <laughs> did you I like did, what she tried to do? Did you? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I hear him. If y'all y'all tell us with fans, how do y'all feel about this? Cause uh, and are you still a fan? Yeah, I need answers, or I need I need thoughts. I need to know how the Taylor Swift fans feel. So, all right, let's just get back into Black Excellence. I need to. Yeah, I need to. My energies are off. Mm-hmm. All right, so Fantasia was on her Instagram live week last week, week before last, talking about her new album, and the fan asked her, "Was like, what big features are you gonna have on the album? We're excited, blah blah blah." And she goes and she said, yeah, like, we're going to have a song with Jasmine Sullivan and Brandy. Mm. Mm. Jasmine mm. Sullivan and Brandy. What in the church is about to happen? And then she goes on and she talks about, she was like, yeah, like, I've always, you know, adored those two. I always mm-hmm. wanted to do that. Quite frankly, she always wanted to, like, it was like she wanted to make an album mm-hmm. with them two. But why not just, you know, put them on the song? Yeah. It's a great marketing scheme, too. Ooh. Like, do you know how many black people like turn heads when they said that? And these are different. And and what's so great is like these are intergenerational. It's like, like three different eras of music for real. <laughs> Honestly, three different eras of music. Of course, Brandy came along first. Mm-hmm. Fantasia had her shine, and now it's Jasmine Sullivan. You know what I mean? And so, she already had her shine, and like we haven't had anything new from Jasmine in a minute, which we need because she didn't in quit playing with her. For real, goodness, she need quit playing. Ooh, when I tell you Jasmine Sullivan, it got me through some time. What in the church is about to happen, boy? And I'm so excited to hear whatever. You know what's crazy? I don't think I've ever heard a song with Brandy and be like, dang, Brandy is the weak link. Period. <laughs> and that's what's happening in this song. Like, Brandy might have be the weak link in this song. She, she do have the softest voice compared to you. And then also, like, you know, she was, Brandy was on um Anderson Park song. Mm-hmm. And it's great. I, I'm, I'm, oh. And so I it. think. Honestly, like I think this is gonna be, it's this song it's gonna be, be a it's this song it's gonna be, be it's gonna be great. I know it is, and it's gonna be a balance that I don't think we've seen in this I mean is, in a while. This is Iron Man, Thor, Captain America for real. Like <laughs> Brandy, her vocals, the lyrics, and her softness with Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah, just I like, love all the contrast, raw, and then Fantasia gospel runs <laughs> up and down. Like I don't know. I think. I hope I hope I hope it's one of those songs where like like a Brandy and Monica. Oh yeah. But not not about no man, but just about like I don't even know what they can I don't know But where it's something where they're talking to each other. How about they make an album? <laughs> Skip a song. Give us a whole separate album, Fantasia, with all three of y'all. That's all we need. I Actually, mean honestly that's all we need. Like, break this song. All right, I love Brandy. But can you imagine if it was like Fantasia, Jasmine Sullivan and like Jennifer Hudson? Mm. What like cause Jennifer Hudson's voice is just so powerful. One of the best voices in the world. She be screaming at you. Low, on the low, Jasmine. Um, J Hudson. J Hood be screaming. <laughs> I just watched Dream Girl Saturday. Y'all, like, okay, for y'all that don't, if anyone that don't know me, bro, like, J- Dream Girls is, is, is it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I did it with my mom. I, no, I have, I bought the DVD. Yep. And I let my friend borrow it all semester. Mm-hmm. And he never got around to watching it. And so I texted him. I was like, bro, um, I'm gonna need this DVD because yeah, uh, you know you semester semester is ending. You know, I, I just don't want you know my DVD to get lost in the in the, in the shuffle of moving and stuff. Anyway, we end up watching it, uh, and then I and I've been been listening to the soundtrack mm-hmm. this past week. So anybody who's driven with me probably heard 
and and then Jamie Foxx. Oh, they be just, singing in that movie, don't they? Anyway, anybody, this is a reminder. Go see Dreamgirls. Not go see, but like go watch it. Yeah. Within the next week it's or two. Gen- it really is Jennifer Hudson's breakout role. Specifically because uh, she used to be on American Idol. And everyone, a lot of people don't know that she got voted off. Mm-hmm. And then what was crazy is it was America's vote. So and then when people seen her in Dreamgirls, they were like, how did she get? It was like, y'all didn't vote for her. That's why. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this was really her breakout role in that movie. I seen it with my mom. Still be listening to the songs to this day. I think Dreamgirls is one of those movies that grow up with you. Yeah, man. And I say that because I watched it again and I was listening to the song. I mean, the um, listening to it again, and I started crying. Mm-hmm. I for sure started crying. And I'm like, these songs mean different. Like the songs, what they meant to me two years ago, three years ago, is t- something totally different. Yeah. Um, than what they mean to me now. I think a lot of music is like that too, but for sure, Dream Girls, especially because the visuals to go with it, mm-hmm. like the movie means something different too. Ooh. Not just the songs, but what happens before the song comes on. You and know what you I mean? St- and like, you start hey. to relate. And I was I was having this conversation. I was having this conversation with my friend. It's like, honestly. And it's really frustrating because I feel like Dreamgirls was one of the musicals that got pigeonholed to being a black movie. So it never really got the credit it deserved. Yeah. And when people talk about musicals, I think Dreamgirls should be in the same conversation as a Jersey Boy or as a mm. as a Grease mm-hmm. or as a anything. Yes. Right. Like if, yes. if you want to talk musicals, Dreamgirls should be no, in that conversation. For, for sure. But a lot of people, especially white people, don't know what Dream Girls is. It's so crazy. I'm like, excuse me. Like, I, I remember I was in the car with one of my friends, and I played the song, and I was just like, oh, "That's a good song," and I was like, "What is this?" And I was wow. like, "What?" And so I played the, I played like one of the most popular songs, like I, I am telling you, or whatever. And she started singing along, and I was just like, "Oh, so you know this song, but you don't like, you yeah. know, the albums." Okay, well, what's gonna happen is we're gonna watch it. Yep. Uh, but anyway, the song I was thinking of was um, when I first saw you, Jamie Foxx, and then oh, yeah. it's the duet one. That's a weird and I know song. we've been I've been listening for this. I, if you follow me on social media, I've been posting and talking about it. But like more specifically, like Saturday Saturday morning, I played this song, and I was just sitting there covering like two of my other friends, and I bust out crying. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me I don't I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I started listening to the lyrics and the way this song is written. And then I watched it again, and I I got more from it. It's like, it's so the songs he's talking about his dream, right? And it's written like a ballad. It's written like a love song, and especially mm-hmm. the duet with Beyonce, mm-hmm. them singing together. And it's so funny because they're not singing to each other. Yeah. Like when Jamie Foxx, it's like when I first saw you, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my, that's my dream. Mm-hmm. Like he's not talking, and he was talking about Beyonce in the movie, mm-hmm. but. Dina he was talking about Dina but he wasn't talking about Dina right he wasn't saying when I first saw you like I fell in love with Mm -hmm. you he was saying you're literally my dream Mm -hmm. like you are going to take me where I want to go yeah and and then and to me that translated to something that's like and then he said how the dream kind of 
kept his head up, how to get got him up in the morning, mm-hmm. how to dream, you know, kept him from like giving up. And like it's just regular college students, especially like graduating soon. Mm-hmm. You think about like your dream and yeah. nights where you wanted to give up, right? Yeah. right? And like how that dream kind of kept you from giving up. And then and then the whole part like when he was like, and to think that other people would believe in my dream too. Yeah. And I, that's the part that I started crying. I'm like, bro, like. That's when Beyonce come here. Yeah. That's literally where she starts singing. <laughs> that's literally where she starts singing. And and then I heard this. I was like, oh, my God. And to know that others would, like, mess with my dream, too. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, that's that's crazy. And almost, like, that's, that's kind of like what this podcast is. I don't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that this podcast is, like, my dream 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 yeah but it's definitely been something that like we thought about for a while and yeah. even though it kind of like it kind of evolved or like translated to something that we did not plan or see or do or whatever and it kind of resonated into something that it, what it is to today right. China Noir, but um to know that like people are resonating with us to resonate with things that we say um resonate with our voices and different things like that it's i don't know it's it's a it's a powerful song yeah man something else entirely again i love it as a wedding song too i actually played it at a couple weddings um me me and uh somebody else do edit on their saxophones oh, it's okay. and it went crazy yeah we went crazy um but yeah and then jennifer Hudson when she said um i am changing yeah oh my god she just murdered that whole movie she she and i think uh i think yeah. her role with <laughs> I think her role was so important. I can so talk tight. about Dreamgirls forever, yeah, but I so think tight. I think their role was so important, mm-hmm. and not even like you talk about like the music business, but like yeah. life. Yeah, and and even when like um, Jamie Foxx started talking about like why he chose Dina mm-hmm. as the lead singer because her voice didn't have any like depth right as in so he can fold it or mold it into mm-hmm. any genre that he wanted to be whereas right. pop or soul or hip-hop or whatever yeah and then after that and she started singing uh the the different songs and oh my god and then she find herself yep. and reach out to if oh my goodness it's just a okay more the story watch them girls <laughs> if you haven't if you have it on DVD, if you don't, I'm sure you can illegally find it somewhere. <laughs> not, you know, not promoting or anything, but you can do that. Also, like, and and that's the same type of, to kind of bring it full circle, that's the same type of energy that I feel like we're going to get from Jasmine Sullivan, from Fantasia, and Brandy. Just yeah. imagine, like, what these life stories that we these women have to offer mm-hmm. right and like we heard we hear these songs from fantasia all the time oh but like, yeah we like no no fantasia story for sure right but we don't know yeah. what's happening with jasmine sullivan yeah and we it's been a while and so like if she gets on this record and just like just give us anything something uh, oh, i can't wait yeah i need that i can't wait talking about like dope concerts so t-pain t-pain was this weekend what you think did, man I, how you feeling, this? I liked T Pain a lot. I did um, too. Yeah, I liked T Pain a lot. I wasn't expecting some of the things that he did, yeah, right? Same. How he could beatbox with his voice so well. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting um, the, the dancing. The dancing. Dang, that dude's good at dancing. And he's so goofy with it, too, and he I mean, don't care. How have we never seen that before? But I guess, 
It's weird. I feel like we've never seen T Pain dance. You know I, what I mean? I think I think what's so interesting about T Pain is that he sits in this weird gray space. Yeah. That no one pays attention to him. Mm-hmm. Super talented. And I was thinking about this the other day. T Pain has all name another artist that has a discography as popping as T Pain. I mean, I mean there are people, right? You think yeah. about your Missy Elliott, right? Mm-hmm. Who went like people know who Missy Elliott is, but I think that's another artist. Or another, I don't know, person that sits in that creative right. gray space too, mm-hmm. right? Like, think about Missy Elliott discography. Hits on hits. And then think about like we don't we don't talk about Missy Elliott. We don't talk about T Pain. Yeah, and it's, it's like not an everyday they don't really it, mm-hmm. it's like they not an everyday conversation, but we'd we'd be quick to talk about a Beyonce, right? It's like mm-hmm. they, they fit in this weird bubble. Yeah. But they have a discography that is unmatched. Yeah. Like and and I think that's what this concert reminded me of. Mm-hmm. It's like he got up there and first he perfectly choreographed this entire hour set. Mm-hmm. He jam packed an entire entire hour. It didn't seem like like when I went to go see J Cole, right? He he had uh, a sung list, like a sun track, obviously yeah. of the songs he's gonna sing and what or rap or what order it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. And in between that, you know, he got the interlude where he just talk about whatever. No, like T Pain had, and when he wasn't singing, it was something going on going on in the background, yeah, like a movie happening. moving, and then he like the transition or the DJ, DJ would talk, interacting. and he would you go into good. I feel good. <laughs> I feel good. Good. <laughs> so like, do you feel good? <laughs> and so, like, I think I don't know. I think that was. I think he did a, a perfect job at knowing his audience too. Yeah, I think he, he worked that him. audience well. Yeah, I think his music speaks for itself. Um, especially a lot of us were in middle school and elementary school and when a lot of these hits came out, you know what I mean? Like I know I think I can remember where I was when Kiss Kiss came with mm-hmm. him and Chris Brown, you know what I mean? I was like, dang, I think I remember where I was when that song came on. Or it was a lot of nostalgia in this it entire was a lot set. Of nostalgia. I think it was real cool too because like I don't know. I feel like it was a moment, like a lot of moments was for black people, mm-hmm. and a lot of moments was for everybody. Everybody, and he knew that, right? Yeah. So like, he'd get there and he'd sing like Chopped and Screw, but nobody would sing along except for all the black people in the house. Right, because I was like, jamming Chopped and Screw. My sister put me on the Chopped and Screw, so like mm-hmm. I, I, we used to clean the house with Chopped and Screw. Like yeah. when he ever played these songs, I'm just like, bro, I haven't heard this in a minute, and it's, and yeah. they're bangers, like yeah. straight bangers, and then he'd go and. I move your body like a cyclone, <laughs> and then like anybody who go to the bars hear that song at least three times. Oh yeah, they already know what's going on. And so, I think he did really, really good at knowing his audience, know what song that they would know. And then even when he switched to uh, when he did the little the show, uh, the the mask show where they put all the celebrities in the mask, you have to guess yeah. which celebrity it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just started doing all the songs that he did. Cause Man, he made I didn't it. know none of them songs. Neither did I. He but made the it white to... people was jamming, <laughs> let me tell you. He played Rocket Boy, Rocket Man. He sang Rock, Rocket yeah, Man. Sang I think, Rocket also, Man. I thought that show was really interesting. I didn't mm-hmm. watch it, but Lakin watched it. And he made it to, like, top two. And I don't think he made it to the top. I think he made it to top two or top whatever. Mm-hmm. Because he sits in that gray area. <laughs> and no one, also, like, he sits in that gray area. Everyone knows T-Pain can sing. But his voice, you don't like. You don't, you're especially so when he's singing it, Rocket too. Man. Yeah, he's singing Rocket Man, and no one knows who this who who he is. Yeah. And so he starts sing, he starts going down this concert of all these old 
rock songs. Mm-hmm. And the crowd is living. They're going crazy. <laughs> the Normal K-State behavior. <laughs> and I'm actually a rock fan. I was like, what song is that? And I was like, what song is this? But I didn't know Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. I knew there was another song he sang I was jamming to, too. Um, but I forgot what song it was. The crowd is living. And I think, and I think that was perfect. Like, he... The amount of like crowd participation that he like he did was great. And being on the floor, I know you was um sitting down. Mm-hmm. But being on the floor, it was it was good energies too. Um of seeing like how he interacted with us. Yeah. And how he I don't know. I just think it was genius how he mixed his setup. Mm-hmm. And he lit he jam packed an hour. And I mm-hmm. appreciate that. Where like it didn't seem like his DJ would play a song and the beat would come on, he'd sing, and then he may talk. It like he jam packed it like he gave us what mm-hmm. literally what we paid for. Yeah, like it wasn't a minute, a second that was just like wasted. Mm-hmm. And so, and then like I said before, he knew his audience, and that was cool. And then not to mention that he was in the veal. He went to the veal. He went to the veal, bro. I saw him at kites. Somebody takes saw him, him at kites. He just chilling. Just chilling. When I say he looked like a regular nigga, <laughs> I like seeing T Pain on stage. Cool, but like seeing T Pain. And then, even on stage, he didn't have no like luxurious clothing. Oh, like yeah. he maybe t-shirt. had a chain, mm-hmm. t- white t shirt, yeah. black jeans, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he looked like in kites. He looked like a regular dude just chilling. And then, I, like somebody texted him, was like T Pain's at, at kites. I was like, okay, let me go check it out. So I walked <laughs> in, the bar was kind of empty, and. So I sit like far. I'm like, I don't see T Pain. Like I don't know, whatever. And I looked, and I was like, Oh, that's T Pain right there. <laughs> and so he has this big old bodyguard like in front of him, mm-hmm. and really like it became real awkward and uncomfortable. I believe it because he just looked so like, like he didn't want to be bothered, yeah. right? Like I came out here to oh, yeah. have a drink and chill. Again, honestly, he probably didn't want to be here anyway. You know what I mean? He was in Manhattan, Kansas. True. I mean, I felt like he wanted to have. I mean, it, what what made me uncomfortable is that he looked like he didn't want to be bothered, uh-huh. and people didn't respect that. Like, oh yeah, people were still. And he had a bodyguard. Him. I mean, he still wasn't talking to nobody. Like, yeah. you walk up to his bodyguard. I'm like, hey, can I take a picture of T Pain? Dude's like, nah. And so, and but no one really cared. No one really cared that he did not look interested. I remember mm-hmm. it was some girls talking to him, and then after that, nobody else really got. And then, it, and then it got to this like, so T Pain was sitting like the first, the second, I guess table if you ever been in kites um against the window and the bodyguard like in front of him and then it became like this crowd of like just white people like around it which is near the the entrance of kites yeah and then like police officers came in and just like guys like no pictures blah 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 and it's just like a bubble and i'm sitting over here literally almost by myself yeah <laughs> and i'm just like this is uncomfortable to watch yeah. like this is very uncomfortable to watch yeah, I like believe it. all these people are trying to talk to him and they're, they're probably drunk and trying to like take pictures and do all of this. I'm just like, bro, literally don't want to be bothered. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting space. Like yeah, people never respect celebrities yeah. space. Yeah. Their space. I don't. And, and I think that's something that's like, I don't know, interesting to talk about because it's like, as humans, I think we all should be treated as humans, right? Like if I don't want to be bothered, I think you shouldn't mess with me. But then also being in the public sphere, right? Like mm-hmm. talking about, I don't know. And even if you talk like if you if you talk about Chow Noir and mm-hmm. on K State campus, right? Yeah. And people come up to us all the time, like, "Oh my god, like I listen to your first episode." Da, 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 da. And sometimes I promise you, it's days where I'm just like, "Bro, like," because it's still kind of awkward to me when yeah. people come up to me and like I listen to your podcast, and I'm like, 
thanks. <laughs> but I don't really know what to say after that. Yeah. And it's a little awkward. But not saying like I understand what T Pain is whatever. But like he just visibly looked like he yeah. didn't want to be bothered. And for people not to like respect that, mm-hmm. it's like it's uncomfortable. It, it's just really uncomfortable to watch. So I just went home. I know a lot of times when you become a celebrity, your feelings don't matter. <laughs> your actions matter, but a lot of times your, your feelings, feelings don't. don't. Yeah, your face can say one thing and people still won't care just because you're a celebrity. And those feelings is what leads to action. And then those actions is what get you in trouble. Look at Cardi B. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> no tea, that's no shade, but. Yeah. I wish. I actually wish T-Pain did a couple other songs, though, just for the deeper fans. Saying, oh, like, my God. Like, put, put it down. And Studio Love. Put it down. Stomach. Uh, it was so many songs. I guess you can't. Do. I guess you can't do freeze without Chris Brown. Freeze, like me. Yeah, it was so many songs he didn't do, and I think it was because like he knew where he was coming, and he added all of those rock, Rocket Man to the song, and I think that's really pretty cool that he engaged the audience. Yeah, he he was smart with it, but that was really great. So to not to bring it down, but talk about another legend who recently passed away. Um, John Singleton, mm. April 29, 2019. Um, he passed away due to a stroke. Mm-hmm. Those who don't know who John Singleton is, he's a director, yes. a movie director, and he is directed. So he's really famous in the black community, which is why I'm bringing this up. It's, it's yeah. like film director, screenwriter, and producer. And producer. And he's known for plays such as uh, Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Baby Boy, uh, Shaft. And then other movies such as um, Higher Learning, Too Fast, Too Furious 2, Abduction, Four Brothers, Beverly Hills Cops, um, Hustle and Flow, Michael Jackson video, Maya Angelou, I'm Still Here But I Rise, 8 Mile. Like, it's so many. Yeah, no. John Singleton was actually legendary. Like, even outside of the black community, right? Like, yeah. if you if you look at this and then you see, like, Boys in the Hood and Baby Boy. Mm-hmm. And so, black people, y'all, all of y'all have seen this movie. Like, I, I mean, yeah, you, you just have. Like, you if, have. You, if you have BET on, <laughs> if you have BET as cable and you grew up. <laughs> Like I'm for sure you seen Poetic Justice or Baby Boy at least once. Yeah, so Baby Boy probably t- six times. Oh, so many times. So another reason he was legendary is for Boys in the Hood. Um, mm. He was nominated for uh, the Academy Award for Best Director, and he was only 24. Mm-hmm. And he was the first African American and the youngest person to ever be nominated for Best Director. And I think what's also really cool about that. It's Boys in the Hood is based on his experience growing up in L.A. Yeah. And so he created a movie based on his and, experience. And Ice Cube. And Ice Cube. Ice Cube wrote the hell out that movie. And for it to get nominated mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I don't know. I just think that in 1991, it's like, it's really powerful to know oh, that yeah. like this is an authentic oh, yeah. story. Oh, shout out to Clark. Clark went to go see Boys in the Hood five times, he told me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I didn't. Yeah, obviously I wasn't born. I wasn't born either. <laughs> but Clark was in the movie theater watching Boys in the Hood five times. Bro, imagine like, like imagine Boys in the Hood being in the movie theater. I mean, yeah. now we might, we can say Black Panther or like a little mm-hmm. or I, don't know, I can't think of anything else right now. Yeah. But what's the movie just came out? The Intruder. The Intruder. Stuff like that. But but stories like Boys in the Hood, like Poetic Justice in the movie theater. Yeah. I just, I. 
yeah, I kind of feel like we haven't gotten super legendary movies like that in a movie theater. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. super legendary black movies. But I think now it's everything is streaming. Yeah, right. I mean, but also, Netflix has yeah, taken over. Netflix has a lot this of whole mm-hmm. sharing of stories thing. Yeah, which I actually kind of love. I um, do love it. I definitely love it. I also think John's people like John Singleton paved the way for some of the black classics that we did get. You yeah. know what I mean? Like maybe if it wasn't for John Singleton back John, in the nineties, we might not get a Best Man. When I get Best Man Holiday, Best Man mm-hmm. Holiday to me is it's a legendary black movie. I think Best Man Holiday, Brown Sugar, in my mind is top five African American films of all time. Like what if without John Singleton we don't get that movie? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Booty Call, Booty Call. <laughs> it's so many call. legendary movies. So many legendary black films. Like, without John Singleton, do we get, like, what if that's Tyler Perry's inspiration? You know what I mean? Right. Like, what if without John Singleton, we don't get Tyler Perry? Or Jordan Peele. Or Jordan Peele, or really any, you know what I mean, black director making movies. I don't know. Yeah. I Said it all. It's it's Carmen Jones. It's a lot of legendary black movies, y'all. Yeah, because... Again, Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Too Fast, Too Furious, by the way, which I think is still my favorite. Even though there are better Fast and Furious films, I watched Too Fast, Too Furious the most. It was the first one with Tyrese in it. I don't know why I like the movie so much, but Too Fast, Too Furious is my joint. And yeah, man, he's just, he's just legendary. Everybody knows some hustle and flow lines. <laughs> Everybody knows some hustle and flow lines. <laughs> yeah, man, say man. Honestly, you know, it's so funny. Being from Memphis, so I've I've my first time watching Boys in the Hood, not Boys in the Hood, uh, Hustle and Flow was like last summer. Mm-hmm. And I say this because growing up, my mom would not let me watch this movie. Oh, wow. And and, and so for for the longest, I did not know it was like it was shot in Memphis. Like it was mm-hmm. a, the scene was in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie was in Memphis. So I did not know that because every time it would come on, my mom would tell me to leave the room. Oh, I, I couldn't watch it. Thought that movie would have been huge in Memphis. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, it is, it is. Uh-huh. I just, I just never know because my mom would never let me watch it, and so then I just, I just grew up, and then Brian Davis, my mentor, last year he was like, "You never seen uh, Hustle and Flow?" Crazy. I was like, "No," and so he made me watch it. Yep. And because he used to, I not, <laughs> he used to always like, "You from Memphis?" And so he used to always be like. Hey man, hey, hey, he just said, "Just say man." I was like, "Why are you doing this?" Like, I don't, I don't say man that much up here. Like, like I don't get it. And he was like, "Hustling flow," and I was hey. like, "And also watching the movie." Okay, we say man a lot, mm-hmm. but we definitely don't say it the way he said it. Yeah, and as much as he said it. Yeah, that's where a lot of the memes come from, though. Is because you you probably missed some memes over the last couple years about Terrence Howard because there's been a lot of Terrence Howard memes with man in it. But yeah, I've seen some of them, but no, like. I don't know. I don't. I th- honestly, Loki, we may need to like create a list of black movies people need to watch. Oh, that's I can do that easy. Yeah, we should. <laughs> we should do like what ten, top ten, top ten. I, th- I think that's enough. I don't think we need to I give like, them a whole all list. Right, I like top ten. It'd be crazy if people haven't seen them. I want white people to watch these movies. And, and that's another. That's what I want. We have a decent following of white people. I feel like I've seen all the white classics. I want white people to see the black <laughs> classics, just because I don't know. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. And I think it's important too because people are starting to see shows like On My Block, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me is like a modern day version of Boys in the Hood. Yeah, that's really what it is. And and a lot younger version mm-hmm. uh, of that, and and like not tasteful, but like uh, a lot able, a, a lot easier to uh, digest. Yeah, easier to digest, um, especially. 
it's what especially when it's on Netflix and you can just sit on the couch and press the button. Mm-hmm. And also, like when when it comes to like some of the language or like the way it looks, mm-hmm. is a lot more easier to and easier to watch than uh, Boys in the Hood. Oh, speaking of, I forgot a uh, Netflix. Promise they were giving us a bunch of black movies um, these next couple of months. They are specifically this right entire now. month. Yeah, Baps this is on Netflix. Month. Baps is on Netflix right now, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot what else was coming, um, but it's crazy to even see Baps on Netflix. Like what? I remember watching this movie, having not a clue what was going on <laughs> when I was little. But now, I would love to rewatch it. Um, I do remember a lot from the movie, but I know things are going to hit harder now um, that I'm older. Just like a lot of the other black movies do, mm-hmm. like. I remember watching The Wood when I was like 10, and then I watched The Wood like last year, and now I understand everything. Not saying that there was a gap in between there. I probably seen The Wood like 25 times, <laughs> but the difference between when I was eight and when I watched it last year is just so different in the, the different things you catch and experiences, especially as a young black man. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why I think like these shows are so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Like. See, like, on my block, but it focused more so, like, on, like, Hispanic and black discourse in the hood yeah. in, in L.A. and things like that, uh, where I think what, like, Boys in the Hood did. And I I love these movies because even though, like, I mean, it's the truth. Like, you're literally seeing what a lot of people have to go through. Yeah. And also, it humanizes people. Uh-huh. Like, and, and I think that's the most important aspect of it. It's mm-hmm. like, on my block. Even though, like, you have stereotypical dress and things like that and these, you know, conflicts. But to, I think it does, it's perfect to, like, bring an audience in, teach them about stuff that people are actually going through. Yeah. But teach them in a way where they don't feel like they need to judge them or, like, fight into, like, a specific stereotype. Mm-hmm. But in a way where it humanizes them. And it's like, oh, they're kind of like me. Yeah. Right? Like. They go to high school and they do this and they go through that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then they go home to all of this. Yeah, I wish we'd have to do this things like that though. Yeah, that's honestly, but that's what oppression is. <laughs> like, yeah. oppression, oppression exists in a space where like so, so how we I don't know fight because of oppression. We have to explain these things, yeah. right? Like we have to go beyond yeah. and say like, hey, like. We, f- we feel this way too or like yeah. let me show you how to treat us mm-hmm. right and I think and I think that's how oppression lives and exists I know it's just so weird how the oppressed have to teach the oppressor you know what I mean it's kind of weird not saying the people that you know what I mean I, right. I'm calling the oppressor you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's their fault mm-hmm. 100% you know what I'm saying but just the idea that that group we have to teach them <laughs> how we feel or what's going on in our lives for and, them to understand. It's kind of annoying. And that's the added, right? And that's the added layer of oppression too. It's yeah. like, it's kind of like the, the side effects of oppression. Mm-hmm. It's like us having to explain this and do that. And that's the, and, and being able to teach people art is so exhausting. Yeah, so and exhausting. I say like, I say like, I say because I do it all the time and I don't mind it. And I don't No, most of the times I don't mind like explaining to people. And I, yeah. <laughs> I had this conversation with my white friend. Mm-hmm. He's like one of my good friends, and I talked to him. I'm like, sometimes I'm really not mad at you. Yeah. I'm just mad at your whiteness, right? Yeah. And I feel like sometimes white people, which our black friends, like sometimes we just gonna be irritated. Yep. Sometimes we just gonna be pissed off, and some and a lot of times is is not because of anything you have done. Mm-hmm. It's like 
the reminded the reminder of like your whiteness and the things that they have done and the stuff that I have to do to avoid yeah. conflict with your whiteness and that's the issue right that's the issue yeah. and it's not like I'm not saying that white people can't be friends with black people which I'm I'm bringing this up because I've been thinking about this mm-hmm. a lot but like my friend sometimes you just gotta deal with it like I'm gonna be irritated mm-hmm. sometimes it's gonna be irritated at you yeah, and you just gonna have to be like okay like if you if you an ally if you're a co-conspirator, if you really want to be my friend or have an interest in this relationship, you just gonna be like, okay, you gonna have to internalize it. However, you internalize it, you gonna yeah. be like, all right, he's mad at my whiteness today. Cool, that's all he right. He gonna be over it. It's all right. It's okay. And we still gonna kick it. And we still gonna kick it. I think that's why I love movies so much as I do, because I think it gives us an opportunity as black people to not have to explain ourselves when Mm -hmm. they can watch something themselves and be just become almost as educated you know what i mean and like imagine i don't know we can have a conversation and sit here and talk about um what uh slavery Mm -hmm. (laughs) or you can also go watch 12 years of slave or Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and maybe some of your questions that you had before would be answered and when you're more educated, I'm more educated. And yeah. So when you come to me, you're not asking something that will irritate me because this medium exists for you to watch it, which is also interesting because I know Cause a Google lot of, is the thing. Yeah. Which is also interesting because a lot of times black movies aren't made. They're made for us by us. You know what I mean? Like Boys in the Hood wasn't made for white people. Mm-hmm. It was made for black people it was made for pe- people to see themselves on the big screen mm-hmm. people who lived in the hood you know what i mean i've seen myself in that movie what 10 years removed from the movie's release you know what i'm saying like and i think it's interesting at the same time that even though it's for us by us uh, white people can still watch that same movie and get something out of it mm-hmm. um to help them understand our experiences or what oh, look i know so many white people t-pain was singing <laughs> I'm so hood. I just said, I looked at all the white people in the room and I said, I know you are not singing this lyric. I'm so hood. Oh my God. So my, one of my, this guy met in Kansas City, one of my friends, right? Went at the J. Cole concert. He posted on his Snapchat this morning and was like, born and raised in my hood. And it's this, (laughs) and he lived in this area in Kansas, I don't know, I think in Kansas City, there's like nowhere to be found. It's just, Mm -hmm. Big houses, big, big, big houses. He's a basketball player. His whole, they're all like, all his brothers are like six, seven feet and above. Mm-hmm. They all either play basketball or got some kind of business venue. Mm-hmm. Now they're bad. They're, I think his dad's like ex basketball player turned businessman. And so, and so he was like, yeah, born and raised in my hood. And he's showing out, just like, he's just driving and it's these giant, massive houses. And I was just like, neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> that's a neighborhood, not a yeah. hood. <laughs> that's a neighborhood. Two different things. I'm so. And then the scene, and he put the scene, and then the T Pain concert. I don't know. We're just gonna keep talking about the mm-hmm. T Pain concert. But like in the scene when he played the clip, and yeah. it's the scene where the police slammed T Pain against a car mm-hmm. in the music video. Yeah. And it's like I'm so. With the I'm, I can't think of the lyric, mm-hmm. and then he slams against car, and then people. To me, I was like, I jumped a little bit. Yeah. Because I. I haven't seen the video in like forever, forever. Mm-hmm. So I forget that it exists. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just think romanticizing like this whole poverty in poverty situation. Yeah, and we kind of talked about that, right? We did. How you know what I mean? White people a lot of times they glorify 
the weirdest parts of the black experience and it's so strange it's so and like weird we was so i was at this so the multicultural students in there they had like an unveiling for the what's the name mm-hmm. and we went and so this guy who was introducing the donor um the donor who's in center is going to be named after um who's is he's a person of indigenous descent i don't know his entire story but he kept talking about how he grew up impoverished mm-hmm. and um in every other sentence the word impoverished came up mm-hmm. such and such grew up impoverished and trying to get out of this impoverished neighborhood he did such and such and case they gave him a chance by to get out of his impoverished neighborhood by joining the football team and doing that he was able to escape his impoverished neighborhood <laughs> and to do this for his impoverished people and to do that. It, it was just so i was just like oh okay like and it was it was really weird i mean i mean a lot of the people feel weird that the name has been the center is being named after, after somebody him. anyway mm-hmm. so part of me was just like he's really trying to go with this like yeah impoverished stereotype to like make us feel better about i don't know name yeah, the center after, after him, him. Mm-hmm. but i don't know just in general he said that and so that made me Thing, and I tweeted, and I was like, the word impoverished, impoverished must taste like honey on white people's lips. Yeah. And you can replace that word with so many other words. Uh-huh. But, like, I just think that's, I don't think it's interesting. Honestly, it's really not cool. But, like, yeah. it's it's really weird. Yeah, it is weird. How, I don't know. Y'all want to be oppressed so bad. <laughs> like, it's so crazy. And then get mad at us when we try to, Talk about our oppression in a way that liberates us. I know. And then you talk about how we always talk about how we are oppressed. I want to be oppressed. So but then you, but then so you romanticize the parts of the oppression that you want. Yeah. It's just so weird. Like, you're either going to take it or leave it. Yeah. And to me, like, and a lot of people I know, when we talk about being impoverished or being hood, or doing some of this stuff, we don't. We're not proud of that. Yeah, <laughs> we're not proud. That's just how I grew up. <laughs> we're not proud we're of not that. Happy about it. There's just a, a circumstance that we learn how to navigate and achieve and get out of it, or yeah. or navigate past it. Mm-hmm. It's something I, you know, what I mean, I appreciate because yeah, you appreciate 100%. where you come from. But I'm not gonna sit around and be like, man, it was amazing being broke. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who like, does that? And and I don't know. Like to get back to what we were talking about earlier about like white people educating themselves before like and i think it's also kind of important too like i'm anybody who know me i'm no i'm open to like educating white people right like Mm -hmm. if you have a question about anything i would rather you ask me than just be ignorant about it and since a lot of people would rather not use google and just ask a black a black person then sure yeah but like i've been doing that a lot lately it's like since i've been advocating so heavy for everybody's stream homecoming beyonce on netflix I leave it tell everybody to go stream go homecoming. stream homecoming and I'm like hey like I know you're white so it's a lot of stuff you may not understand mm-hmm. and so if you have any questions feel free to ask let like, me know you know I would I would I would love to yeah. like explain all of the stuff that is happening yes um, so but watch it um, if you have any questions let me know yeah and so and, and that's how I feel about everything yeah <laughs> I do feel like the same way about everything it's like the same way people come to me for nerdy things mm-hmm. <laughs> like for Marvel People people ask me questions, and I actually love I love all those questions. Marvel is so complicated. Though. It, well, shit, being black is complicated. Being though. black is exactly <laughs> just as complicated. So I, the same level of questions I get on Marvel, it's the same in depth questions I might be getting about my blackness, or you know what I mean? What's going on in the black world? 
And you know what's funny? Like being black, it really don't feel that complicated. Yeah. Like sometimes it just don't feel that complicated until some other people are like Make into the situation. I think it's because I think it's because it's our own culture, right? Of course, it's not complicated to us because it is us. Mm. You know what I mean? Versus somebody else from the outside, it's like, what is going on over there? And you know what? It makes sense why it's so complicated because American is so America mm-hmm. is so bland. Yeah, it is bland. like without communities of color, mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense. Yeah, and this no disrespect to anybody, but this is like. I think it's a product of just so much whiteness. You know what I mean? Like, technically, in a way, in my mind, there there's a lot stripped away in terms of, like, white culture. Like, what is even white culture? Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's it, it has been... It has been shaped into so many different yeah. things because of colonization. Yeah. And so when you colonize this space, you got to have white people live here to you make know. sure that this space is controlled. And then all these white people move here and then they move to the next place and colonize yeah. it. So now you have this mixture of whiteness, which is not all the same. And it's been stripped away from them too, though. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and you're like, okay, what's your family? And they're like, Caucasian. And I'm like, no, but what is your family? Oh, they're like, uh, some Irish and German. What do you do that's German? <laughs> uh,. I don't do any exactly like I think that's why you know what I mean like and it's also because it reminds me of a video that we was watching um, about Israeli and Palestine and the so it was I don't know trying to get them to bridge the gap I don't really know um, but anyway the the Palestinian uh, asked the Israeli dude so it was like so where are your ancestors from and I was like Israel and I was like did your great 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 however greats live here on this land they was like, no, they're from Hungary. And I was like, and so Palestine was like, my grandfathers have always lived in, in here. So like, what gives you access to this land? Like what, mm-hmm. what claims do you have at, like to this land? Yeah. Anyway, and it's the same thing how I feel about like just in general. And like you said, like they lose, they, they lost their, their culture in a sense. I feel sad for them, right? Yeah. Because especially as being black, I think in America we're, we, are close to experience like what that felt felt like to lose your culture. Yeah. Like come like being descendants of slaves to slaves yeah. in America. Mm-hmm. Um we lost a lot of that culture yep. because post slavery we had to create and shape our own identity of what it looks like to be black or yeah, black yeah. in America. Which is crazy. We made our own culture. Yeah, and it's weird because a lot of like people in academia could refer to it as the black cosmos mm-hmm. because it's really honestly it, I, I find it really interesting mm-hmm. that I have, I have to learn about this which is why like I'm talking about it I find it really interesting uh, the black cosmos which is it's this area of just blackness that was just taken and created into what we know as like today yeah. right and mm-hmm. so they call it black cosmos the cosmos because it is literally is a cosmos like it it doesn't it doesn't make sense because we we was able it was in a weird predicament to be, all right, so we're not slaves anymore. Cool. So what are we going to do? Yeah. And so like the only thing, other only other thing we know is Christianity. But then we know Christianity is bad because our slave master used that to oppress us. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? And so that was like the first time that black people create what they wanted to their, their, their own culture. So they yeah. said, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to still be Christian, Christians because that's all we know. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take the good parts of the Christian, uh, of, of Christianity yeah. and, 
make it our own. So we're going to make it our own. And then, you know, those people that they talk about in the Bible that's oppressed and that those are the people that's going to go to heaven and that those are the freedom people and they're going to eventually reach their freedom. Yeah. We resonate with them. Mm-hmm. We are the oppressed and, and we are going to be the ones to get to heaven. And so they resonate with that. And since then, and out of the church created like all of this stuff is which like we celebrate and live today. Nope. And so I think it's, I think losing like, roots to your culture is like i think we can resonate with white people it's saying like yeah like we lost parts of our culture too but yeah. i think i don't know i think people of color has definitely like added like, what would america be without people of color literally like literally any the inventions anybody in like america like hispanic people like i just feel like we're so we're so Saucy, yeah. for lack of a better word. It's the it's swag, like, bro. We, it's the swag. And even when I when like what you said earlier, like what are those black people doing over there? Like whatever we're doing, dancing, mm-hmm. singing, it whatever. And what you, you, then you look over there with the Hispanics, and you're just like, um, what they doing over there? Mm-hmm. And then you look over at like indigenous people, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, what they doing? Yeah, right. And so I'm just like, we we really lit. Yeah, and I don't it and it's really interesting how a lot of the things we do do come from those oppressed periods right how you were just talking about slavery well what we did was we took some the field songs and we put them in the church mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where the church music came from that's where gospel came from hello we, we was waiting in the water so when we made the and when we got out of slavery we went to church we were still singing wade in the water like that's how it went and you know the funny thing is like we we unconsciously like get so much from like our ancestry like mm-hmm. when people talk about the holy ghost that's literally part of like america like not american but like um african like voodoo culture or like yeah. caribbean voodoo culture right mm-hmm. uh because once you think about like of voodoo happening or like taking over your spirit right mm-hmm. you're known to dance or move and stuff yeah. like that so black people would catch the holy ghost and not knowing that like we took some of these traditions yeah and it just kind of naturally ingrained itself into like what we know today is everything. You know, one of my favorite um, things that a lot of people didn't know that I love um, that black people do is actually CP time. Mm. And so actually over in Africa, um, of course, tribal times, right? You know, before um, slavery happened, before the ships landed, <laughs> uh, African uh, culture, they used they didn't have of course they didn't have time how we have mm-hmm. time they would say be here at sunset or they say be here you know what i mean i don't know when the sun is at this point mm-hmm. in the sky and that's actually low-key where cp time comes from because when somebody tells you seven i think a lot of times very 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 subliminally through cu- culturally we're like oh evening yeah <laughs> like we're like we're like oh we don't say oh seven you know what i mean we say evening and it's really interesting how a lot of people don't know that that long strand of random DNA activities still carrying on. And it's still happening in, in Africa too. Yeah. Like it still happens in Africa. When too. I was in Kenya, bro, like also I was the only black dude when I went to Kenya. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, all right, so meet us at I don't know, this place at seven. Mm-hmm. We get there literally probably ten minutes before. Yeah. And be waiting for an hour. Yeah. And I think it's also because I think I think I read this somewhere that at that same time, African culture, they believe that things shouldn't be rushed, um, even though time is, you know what I mean, important. But mm-hmm. our, us gathering organically and making it feel good together is more important than us getting somewhere rushed and unprepared, right. you know what I mean, to do a lot of those things. 
Woo. All right, we didn't we didn't talk about it a whole lot. Yeah, we did. But before we got this article about Justine uh, Justine Damon. Um so Justine Damon, if you guys don't know, it was an article article that came out. Um Justine Damon family agrees to a twenty million settlement with Minneapolis over a police shooting death. Mm. So for those who don't know, Justine Damon was like a 40-year-old um, Australian native who lived in, Amer- uh, in America now. And she called the police because she thought um, a sexual assault was happening in the alley near her house. So the, the officer shows up to figure out the situation. Um, Justine was wearing a pink shirt, blonde, white lady. And she walks out to maybe go see if she could help the officer. I don't know. And the officer see a shadow in the dark as he was reporting a sexual assault, reporting to a sexual assault case um, and walking towards him. So he shoots, he shoots the, he shoots Justine Damon and she backs up, um, which is the language that he used um, in, in the trial Mm -hmm. that he shoots her and she backs up. The prosecutor acts, he was like, did she ask um so do you think that uh a lady in a pink shirt and blonde hair is a threat mm. and muhammad said yes mm-hmm. and so the police officer uh i think he's black um i don't want to assume his identity but his, his name is muhammad and he went to jail on i think it was a was it second degree murder and manslaughter Probably. i don't know about manslaughter I for sure know manslaughter somewhere in there. Really? Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, it was just straight murder, though. Yeah, it was. I think it was second degree murder and manslaughter. I'll find out. Yeah. The settle came in three days after the jury convicted the former officer, Mohammed Noor, um, of third degree murder and second degree manslaughter in the July 15, 2007 slaying of Justine. He's a Somalian refugee. Yes. He's African. And so her family received a $20 million settlement. And so obviously, okay, so, I mean, this may not seem like crazy news. Yeah. But the reason why, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that you brought it up. The first point was when the jury or the prosecutor asked him, was this white lady uh, in pink shirt and a blonde hair a threat? Mm-hmm. And he said yes. And so how I feel about this is, so as a black man um, who has to be constantly aware of its environment, and my mama start teaching me around the age of 16 what my interaction with police is supposed to look like, yeah. I know that at night when a police officer is responding to a sexual assault case mm-hmm. or whatever kind of case at all, that I should not just be walking up on a police officer, regardless, yeah. right? Um, and also, so he shot her once, and she backed up, and I don't know where she was shot, and she died. But police officer who, at least from what we have seen, who killed black people, put yeah. empty a clip in there. Like, empty an entire clip. Whole clips. Muhammad shot her once. Not saying that he's justified for shooting this lady, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he shot her once. I think I think the prosecutor pisses me off a little bit because he asked this question, right? Is mm-hmm. this lady and what does she have on a pink T-shirt? Mm-hmm. And what else? What blonde hair. Pink T-shirt and blonde hair. Is she seen as a threat? It's almost insinuating 
he wants him to say no. You know what I mean? It's mm. like, have you created this image of white women to be perfect in your head? Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, why would you? Why would she not be? I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's the, but that's 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 it. White women are seen as something that's valuable and something that needs to be protected, which mm-hmm. is dangerous. Which is like, which is so scary when she asks him, like, is blonde is pink shirt and blonde hair is that a threat? Yes, it's absolutely <laughs> a threat. Yeah, yeah, and to yeah. his life, not only to, I don't think his life in that situation was you know at risk of this lady i don't think that she was coming to you know kill him but i also think that as a as an officer yeah and not only as a regular officer but as a somalian refugee yeah he has so much more on the line which is why he probably only shot the lady once yeah he probably shot her once because he was scared mm-hmm. he didn't know what the hell was around him so he shot her once because he was banking that she was gonna survive off of off of one shot yeah and so he shot it once. Unfortunately, it killed the lady. Yeah. But I just think it's so much more to unpack about this situation. As a Somalian refugee, people are known to empty, like police officers, regardless of the race, oh, yeah. are known to empty a clip to anybody that oh, threatens yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So he and so him shooting her once implies, well, at least to me, that he knows the risk and the danger that he was at. Yeah. Uh, by like just being alive in general, mm-hmm. and so and I mean I'm going to say it like if 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 this was a black woman, the black whatever, I don't think they would have got money, and I damn sure don't think that. Oh no, they clearly valued her life way more than anybody else, any black person who's ever been shot, right? Especially because I'm pretty sure Philando Castile they settled for three mil. Mm-hmm. He got shot multiple times, and. The, the cop ran up on him yeah. <laughs> technically or you know what i mean the cop was stopped him in his own car and this lady they got they got 20 mil 23 mil. mil versus 20 mil uh, that is a very significant difference y'all. i don't know if y'all understand but you can do way more than 20 million dollars and three million dollars that's how many more times in the United States, that they value the white woman life mm. over the black man life. I and believe that's sued, like four hundred percent or something crazy like that. And they, the family, they filed the lawsuit for fifty million. So they, they, they filed for fifty million. Crazy. And then the family pledged two million, two million out of the twenty million, to a local charity focused on gun violence in Minneapolis. Thank you. I mean, I mean, it helps. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? He did do it. So technically they did get justice. But again, my problem is just in what. It's not this situation. Yeah. Like this situation is not my problem. Right. Like yeah. I don't want people to think that I'm trying to desensitize people to this situation. Right. 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 Like, right. Her passing was a complete travesty. Right. Yeah. Like I don't think anyone should be shot and killed. Of course not. But I just think we should look at the situation that compl- like that complicates this. I think we should look at this from all angles. I think we should look at this mm-hmm. from how the officer was looking for how the officer was. And I think we should always do this, right? Like when we are internalizing any type of police case or police shooting case, we yeah. should try to analyze all situations, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a black boy who was shot and killed, whether it's a white police officer, whether it's anybody, mm-hmm. we should analyze like the situation. And I think it, re- I, and I think it just speaks volumes that he shot her once, yeah, because he knew, mm-hmm. he knew. That his life was at jeopardy if he sh- killed anybody. Yeah, I think if I think that account of manslaughter you were talking about um, is probably 
I think they somehow proved that maybe it was an accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I think they somehow proved that maybe he didn't mean to kill her. Like, maybe he shot her in the leg and her artery started, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? She shot her in the wrong leg or in the leg and her artery started going crazy or, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's where the manslaughter comes in is that idea of he wasn't trying to kill her, but he accidentally killed her. And they got all of this for him accidentally killing her, you know what I mean? Versus, right. yeah, the other way around. I don't know. I just think, I don't know. There's just food for thought. Y'all think about it. Let us know what y'all think. Yeah. Also, on the good news, um, so the first, the largest ocean cleanup has officially began. So they spent twenty a twenty $20 million system, which said $20 million system in a, um, ocean to like pick up approximately like 1.8 trillion pieces of trash yeah and so how it works is just like this giant u-shape that's like kind of on this that function through the with the current of the the, the with wind and the currents of the different waves and things so how yeah. the ocean works mm-hmm. um think of it like a big trash magnet but yeah. but the the uh, magnetic waves is more like water it's water mm-hmm. waves so, so the waves just push it around yeah and, the, and it collects it. Yep. And this collects the device. And I, then they send the truck out and then they like kind of pick up yeah. the trash and they send it back out and they're going to recycle it into like things that we use every day, like glasses. This is t-shirts. really dope, y'all. This is. Because it's the first and they're, they're supposed to release 60 of these. Yeah. We need them across the entire world. It hate I hate that it comes to this. I hate it. It's so late. And I, Yeah. It's so late. And I, I wish. I feel like. So sometimes when things like this come out. It gives people an excuse to keep doing what they're doing. Mm. And I hope that that doesn't continue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, oh, um, and so there's a trash can here. <laughs> and, oh, now the trash can's being picked up more often. Let me keep throwing things in here. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it. You know right. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, like People yeah. just don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of want to go back, go back to talk about white women. Um, <laughs> because... I don't know. I think inherently, and I talk about this a lot, because honestly, I don't care. It's this one white girl in SGA who weaponizes her white womanness, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if that's a thing or a coin term. Mm-hmm. It's that I feel like white women are valued so much, yeah, um, and they feel like we need to be. They, they people feel like they need to protect white women, mm-hmm. um. And it's certain white women that strategically weaponizes that, mm. right? Like, I feel like the prosecutor tried to weaponize that mm-hmm. against um, against the, the police officer. I feel like when yeah. she asked him, like you said, um, is this woman in the pink shirt and blonde hair, is that, is that a threat? And I feel like... That is that could be used as a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people, like they use their white tears as a weapon to to divert from what's actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a lot of like a lot of situations will happen, right? Like, and this one particular girl, um, a big event happened on campus. Not big, but something big in SJ will happen. And then when you be critical of that event. They change it from you being critical of that event to you attacking her. Mm. And now she 
starts crying doing all of that and then she weaponizes that mm. but since white women are so valuable people are no longer worried about the issue at hand they're worried about why she's crying is she okay what did you do to her mm. things like that right mm-hmm. the narrative changes which directly it's the opposite of what like we're supposed to be doing and yeah. helping people yeah right it turns from like let's fix this problem to let's figure out why this girl is crying mm-hmm. and then now she gets a microphone yeah to tell her story mm-hmm. on why she's crying so she gets to manipulate whatever she wants to manipulate and it's going to be believed because it was said out of a place of emotion do you know what that reminds me of Emmett Till <laughs> Woo, Chile. Emmett, Emmett Till whistled out the white woman right and no one cared about Emmett Till they cared about what the white woman thought what was the white woman's story was well why is this white woman crying or why is this white woman in distress Mm. and that's literally the people listen to this white woman and that's what happened why what happened in Mattel happened because they listened to her and people don't understand how big of a deal this is and to me this is a big deal because like when people are doing this in SGA and don't see the issue with this it's frustrating because then when I get up and say something I'm the one that's attacking them, mm-hmm. right? Which, which is the opposite of moving forward. Yeah. Which, like, K State released the video of moving forward. Yes. Um. Through, in K State today, and I, I watched this amazing, beautiful video mm-hmm. about how when we, you know, address diversity and we come together, we move forward as as a university. And when this happens, we move forward as a university. Yeah. But when we wep- when we weapon when white women weaponize their tears and their emotions and their sadness, it takes away from the actual issue. Yeah, for and sure. I think that's the da- and I think that's dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and that's what's happening right now. Yeah, um, which is why I like, yeah, people, if y'all asking why I don't come around or I don't do something or I don't say certain stuff, it's because of, of that. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. But I just need to say, sounds like the baby fire effect. I don't know if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm going to call it that for right now, the baby fine effect, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when a white woman starts crying, you go, oh, mm-hmm. what's wrong? And then you, and after that, you're like, who mm-hmm. did it? And then you go get the Band-Aid. And then once 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 they kind of get themselves together, then you're like, oh, who did it? Yep. What did they do? What did they say? Crazy. What can we do to make sure that don't happen? Mm-hmm. And then people start buying into your story, and then you have an army of people who anything that's opposed or critical yeah. of that situation, mm-hmm. it's no longer about that situation. Mm-hmm. So these people are are tied and linked to you not because you are on the right or the wrong I'm side tied. of the situation. Yep. They are attached and loyal to you because they don't want your feelings to get hurt, hurt. again. Or they believe in you and they believe you. Yeah. And they believe that these people who are critical of you yeah. are the bad guys and they're evil and they're mm-hmm. all of this. A white girl can't be wrong. Uh, no. Why, I mean... Why? Why are they wrong? I mean, you just you just said they don't deserve funding. You just said they don't deserve funding, or they don't they don't they don't need this, or they don't need that. Ridiculous. You just said that. I mean, why are they so mad? I mean, I know it hurt your feelings. Oh, oh, it hurt your feelings that they said that they deserve to be an organization, that mm-hmm. they deserve to be funded, and they just and they just said that they deserve to be funded, and now you're hurt because they came to you because you are the people that's supposed to be funding them. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. But I'm I'm done. <laughs>
white women made Trump president. Anyways, Ooh. okay. Do we so do um. What's do you have any movies that's coming out this week? All right, y'all. I'm a I'm a big nerd. Don't don't be mad at me. This week, Detective Pikachu comes out. <laughs> I can't. This is an awful movie, and I feel that no, nah, I haven't seen it. But the way it looks, <laughs> the trailer looks awful. And then I'm glad that the main character is a black boy. But besides that, and, and I feel okay. the same way I feel about Sonic. Okay, the I don't. I actually feel two different ways. I actually think Detective Pikachu might end up coming out good. I feel like it's the first pointless. trailer, I was like, eh. But second trailer, I was like. Okay, it's pointless. We didn't ask for it, but I still don't feel as badly as I do about Sonic. Cause now Sonic, okay, Sonic is just awful. Oh boy, let me tell you all about Sonic. The designers then took this man Sonic and gave him like this like human esque body. I don't know what they're doing. He's it's like the, two feet tall. It's like the worst design I've with ever with these seen. long legs. And then yeah, there's just so many things wrong with this. We don't need a Sonic. Real action movie Nah but if you do do it You still gotta do it right But we don't need it We don't need it though Like why do we In fact video game movies Have never Have just Not been doing well ever I can't name a video game movie I don't think that's ever done amazing Or too well Like honestly Okay so Detective Pikachu Makes sense right Like Mm -hmm. I can see why Pokemon Wanna like Go into Live action Mm -hmm. Whatever But I think Detective Pikachu makes sense because it's like you're not just la- like launching into like yeah. an entire Pokemon universe. And the the fan base is different. Mm-hmm. The way their marketing is different. Even um, the CGI for their Pokemon look, you know what I mean? Kind of decent. Yeah. It's weird because it's human-esque, but it's not weird because it just looks bad yeah. like Sonic does. Sonic just looks bad. Like, <sighs> In fact, I actually heard they got so much rebuttal that they're going into to change it now. Good. I heard they're pushing Sonic back. And I actually think the designers, I don't think they did that intentionally. I actually think the designers pitched a design that looked good and the corporate said, no, let's make it like this. And now the designers got to go through all these things that they don't want to go mm-hmm. through until they get backlash. And that's when the people upstairs want to <laughs> change all the, because they didn't get, didn't get the reaction from the people they thought they get. But yeah. That's terrible. We this, don't need that. Yeah, we don't need the Sonic movie. We don't. I'm still going to go see it. I still. I there my I think I have I've never watched a Jim Carrey movie and didn't laugh one time. He's funny. He's I love Jim Carrey, and so I think there will still be a couple laughs in this movie. But I don't think it'll be good unless they find a way to fix fix the movie artistically correctly, and they give us some type of compelling story where also the fans of Sonic who have played Sonic games for a long time feel like you know what I mean they're part of the experience. But I don't see that coming, and so I don't think it'll happen. I just think I would have preferred this movie as a regular. Yeah, they should have just made a cartoon movie and just let Jim Carrey especially, voices. I mean, especially they might have. after the success of like a Spider Man, Spider Verse type movie, you definitely could have just with made. all of the with all of the little hedgehogs. Yeah. I don't know their, all their names. So it was like Tails, with Tails Amy, Knuckles, Knuckles, Amy. Yeah. With all, like with take all of them from the video game. That would be lit, and they then sh- just have these people voice it, yeah. like Jim Carrey as yeah. the evil guy. That would have went crazy. Oh, like the evil guy by himself. It's already hilarious. Yeah, it's already but funny. Jim Carrey? Carrey? All we needed was voices. We didn't need live action here. Oh, my God. And, that would have been hilarious. Yeah, that's all they had to do was make a really good animated film. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, some of the greatest animated films only come from success of, or some of the good live action films only come from the success of animated films um, a lot of times. And a lot of people don't understand that. Like, a lot of people say The Incredibles was the original Fantastic Four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we got the Incredibles correctly but we never got Fantastic Four correctly and yeah just make it 
a cartoon first. You know what right. I mean? That's okay. That's all right. You're already a cartoon. You're already Sonic. You're already a video game. Everybody don't got to <laughs> go live action. Everybody don't got to go live action. Everybody calm down with your live action. Man. <laughs> calm down. It's okay to be animated. It's okay. That's There's an Oscar for that, too. <laughs> there's an Oscar for being an animated film. Come on, Spider-Man. That's all right. Uh, Any other but movies? That's all that's coming out this week, I believe. Um, next week is John Wick. Mm. Three, which Just I'm really excited for, and it actually has great reviews. But Detective Pikachu, I haven't heard too much early yet, so uh, I'll be checking out this week, and I'll let y'all know how it is, man. Good. Well, guys, um, I think that's been another episode of Channel Noir. Thank you all for listening. And see you next time. And no, remember, we love y'all. Y'all are real, and then we see y'all. Every nigga is a star